Thank you, Chris. Appreciate your children's sermon this morning. And I want to read from uh, Matthew, the 25th chapter, uh, beginning there in verse 14, going through 30. And it's, again, one of those wonderful par parables that Jesus gives to us, the parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and had his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I have put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man that who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has been given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of his precious and holy word. Not afraid to move forward. Are you paralyzed this morning by some fear in your life? That's a pervasive, common emotion that we are experiencing, particularly since we are in this unusual time of this coronavirus. We have seen that to be the case. Daily, we listen to the news, we read the newspapers, and it just conjures up more fear inside of us, doesn't it? We're afraid of a lot of things. We're afraid, certainly, we possibly could get this virus and we could get ill and maybe have to go to the hospital. We have people who are even passing. Uh, we have uh, all that's going on uh, with the weather and all that's happening this past week with the floods. Unfortunately, uh, just close by, a little 11-year-old boy in the Heritage area drowned. Uh, we hear things that causes us uh, to be fearful all the time. Uh, how many of us 
have counseled some kind of plans that we have uh, scheduled maybe a trip and we still haven't rescheduled it and we don't know when we'll be able to do that again. We know what fear is all about. How many of you uh, are staying uh, at home almost 24-7? I've had people tell me, I rarely have gotten out of my house. I have my groceries delivered. I have my family to bring them. I've only been out of the house a few times. We know what fear is all about. How many of you, uh, maybe before even this coronavirus, had plans to go somewhere? I know I've had uh, many friends who said, I I'd like to go to the Holy Land. But there's so much turmoil that's still going on. About the time I settle in and think I want to go to the Holy Land, I hear something else that's going on, some kind of skirmish or some kind of fighting and fighting that's going on over there. I remember when Teresa and I went to the Holy Land, uh, we heard those kinds of uh, sayings too, and, and it did give you a little pause. You thought about it, and, and uh, you made sure that uh, all your T's were crossed and I's dotted, and, and that you had uh, your will uh, in good accord before you left when you hear all those kinds of things. But uh, fear can keep us from doing those kinds of things, can it? It's wise to fear some things. Uh, it is unwise not to. If a person does not fear high-voltage electricity, for some of you snakes, then they might be called foolish, would they not? We need to be careful about what we do. Of necessity, we live in a world that is full of fears and full of phobias. Many are real, a few are not. We need to be able to distinguish between those things that are dangerous from those things that may be demonic. You see... If we genuinely believe in God and his sovereign power over our lives, we find that we have unlimited resources of God's wisdom and glory. Then what else are we to fear? What is it that we fear this morning as we come here or as you listen to my voice by way of streaming? Individuals sometimes are fearful of not being accepted. Maybe uh, teenagers and, and even those in elementary school, that maybe that's your number one fear is that somebody won't like you, that you will not be accepted. We have fear of looking foolish, or fear of being needy, or fear of being dependent, having somebody else to take care of you. I remember years ago as I was working and doing some counseling stuff, I was working in a halfway house there, and, and I asked them what their fear was. And the number one fear that came out was that one day I won't be able to care for myself, that Somebody else will have to care for me, and I have to go to a nursing home or some kind of assisted living place. Fears abound all around us. Maybe we're fearful of where we're living, and do we have strong enough locks to keep invaders out? Home invasion things are happening all the time, or even going into to a mall now. We don't know if that's really a safe place. We have all kinds of fears. Maybe we have a fear of what's going to happen with hurricanes or tornadoes or, or floods as we've had this past week. Maybe you come this morning feeling paralyzed by those fears. I wonder what they are in your own mind and heart. I'm sure all of us have some of those that, that dictate who we are and paralyze us from becoming what God would have us to be. What are those fears that you possess this morning even as you come to this church service? This passage of Scripture is about a man who went on a journey. He entrusted his wealth to his servants. Of course, the man obviously represents God, and we are his servants and the wealth. And we find uh, here in this passage 
that we are to look at who we should become in terms of being entrusted with God's wealth and also how we're to deal with our fears. This story reminds me of a guy I once knew who if uh, he, he walked in here this morning or he, you saw him uh, tomorrow morning at the store, you'd say, well, that guy, he, he looks like just a little poor old farmer. He was far from a poor old farmer. Uh, he had been putting money in stocks since the 40s. A multi, multi-millionaire. Uh, as you might imagine, the IRS decided that they were going to audit him, and they uh, called him in and said, we'd like to talk to you about what you have. And um, he was going all over all that, and, and um, they said, we've got to ask you a question. They said, yes, sir. What is it? He said, um, we see what you have here on paper. How much money do you have hidden in the ground behind your house? He said, he absolutely insulted me. I had all my money just about all in stock, and the rest of it was in the bank. And he thought I was digging a hole and putting my money in the ground. But you've heard of people doing that, right? Uh, they forget they got it sometimes. We hide our money, and sometimes we don't know what happens to it, and we're not getting any interest on it. He said, I'd never do anything that foolish, because I want my money to be able to provide interest and dividends. You see in this passage the word entrusted, and we also see in this passage the word fear. Entrusted at least three times. The man entrusted his wealth, it says to his servants, God entrust his wealth to us today. We are representative of the Christian faith, and we have an opportunity as well as a tremendous responsibility. This man had great faith in his servants. God has faith in us as his people here and now. We are his ambassadors. We are his people to carry forth the torch that he has for us. He saw great potential in them, and God sees great potential in us. He saw them as God sees us with great potentiality and great opportunities to excel in the world. What else would matter here as he entrusted his wealth to them? The first and second servants, we are told, invested their wealth and came back to the master. And they had multiplied what they had been given over again. And he told them how happy he was with them. And he wanted them to share in his happiness. But the third servant had his master's wealth and did nothing with it. And we are told that he actually did go and dig a hole and he preserved it. He didn't want to take any risk. He didn't want to launch out, did he? And so when the master came back, he says, guess what? I still have what you gave me. And he saw the disappointment on the master's face because he had not drawn any interest, any dividends. It had not grown. It had just laid there unused. Hopefully that's not us today. And if it is us, that we have an opportunity by God himself to speak to us in our very spirit and to cause us to move forward from where we are, that we need not be afraid to move forward. Sometimes we are standing still in our tracks. We are jogging in place. We are not moving forward. And God wants to move us. 
the saddest and I think the least productive emotion in the world that we have is fear. The thing that strikes me in this passage is that we can allow this fear to control our every thought and our every being. It is the least fruitful of all emotions. Do you hear me this morning? Fear not only is a fruit uh, that has regret and lost opportunities, but also it increases our anxiety. It causes us to run through again and again. How many times has this happened to us, maybe even this past week, that we have this fear, whatever it is, and we just keep running that same thought over and over again in our minds? And we allow it to control and dictate who we are. And we're not freed up from really doing God's potential work in this world that we live in. That we are enchained by those fears that exist in our lives. United States this past year, the coronavirus pandemic has resulted in new vocabulary words, hasn't it? We created terms like social distancing. I never had heard that before, had you? And flattened the curve. We've heard that plenty. To describe activities uh, to protect against this terrible virus that we have. It has been a worldwide sort of phenomenon. I read that in Germany that there was a word that was created to describe hoarding of food and staple items brought on by this pandemic. It was hammerster. Uh, craft. The word uh, hamstercraft is a word that actually comes from hamstern, which comes from the image of hamsters storing up food in their cheeks. Isn't that interesting? Uh, during the Cold World War that we were involved in, the German government published a list of items that the average German household should have on hand in case they had an emergency. It sort of reminds me, you remember, went through the year of 2000 that everybody was storing up all kinds of pantry things and water and all kinds of stuff. We thought the whole world may come to an end and at least we wouldn't be able to get our money out of the bank. You remember those days? Well, these people were told they needed to store up stuff like pasta and painkillers and, of course, toilet paper. We know about that. German citizens refer to the list as their Hammerstaff craft list. In other words, that survival kind of list. The third servant, a servant in this passage, he acted in that same way. Much like that hamster storing up food in his cheeks and didn't want to lose anything. He was afraid if he did not hoard up his master's money, then he would lose it. It may be like us. Think of all the things in life that we miss out on because we are fearful that we are afraid. We don't trust God's goodness and we miss out on God's blessings when we do that. Think of all the opportunities that we could harvest with our God-given talents and abilities if we would just have them freed up from being fearful in this life and in this world that we live in. Think of what God could do if we would just turn our lives over to him completely. That we could reach great horizons. That we could accomplish wonderful things because we have 
entrusted our lives over to him. I don't know if you have ever heard the name Amy Purdy or not, but a fantastic story. Uh, she has a book out. She does public speaking all over the United States. She was a 19-year-old young lady with great promise, came home from work one day not feeling good, thinking she maybe had the flu. She took a nap and woke up and looked at her hands, and they were purple, and her feet were purple, and she felt terrible and uh, ended up having cardiac arrest. They took her to the hospital and said, you have meningitis. And she went into a coma, and they gathered the family in, and they said she only has a few hours to live. But then she woke back up, and they said, you might make it, but we're going to need to take your legs off from your knees down. Nineteen years old, who would have ever expected anything like that to happen? She cried like she'd never cried before as the doctors went out of the room. She just wailed. She was so upset. But Amy faced her life with new determination. She wasn't going to give up just because she had lost her legs. She tried to return to doing what she had done before, snowboarding, um, which was one of her favorite hobbies, but she couldn't find those prosthetic legs that would actually work while she was doing snowboarding. So Amy, she did some research and found a doctor that could uh, put her with prosthetic legs that would enable her to snowboard, and she began doing that. And she became the first woman to win a bronze medal in the snowboarding in the Paralympics Games. She continued on believing that God had something for her to do, and so her and her husband, they founded Adaptive Action Sports, which is an organization uh, for those athletes who have disabilities who still want to be able to compete and enjoy some of the things they enjoyed before they had this disability to come into their life. Amy even competed on Dancing with the Stars. You may, those of you who watched that pretty uh, intently may remember her. And she had the opportunity to share her story on TV and also to go around as she was making speech engagements. Amy says that when she lost her legs, that there were three goals that she established then. Number one, I'm never going to feel sorry for myself. That's a pretty major obstacle to overcome, isn't it? Number two, I'm going to snowboard again, and also, uh, whenever I can figure it out, I'm going to help other people that have these disabilities in their lives. And that's exactly what she's doing through that sports organization, through her own life as she's gone around, and she's had... She's had some other problems, if you read her story. She came out with a book, On My Own Two Feet. It's a great book. You may want to get that book and read it. it tells about her journey, and if you go and look at her, her journey in just the last few years, she's had more problems. Uh, I looked at her uh, picture this past week, and she was on crutches again. I don't know what all was going on with her. But she continues to face those challenges, and she goes around and she talks about how God has entered her life. She said she thinks that God places angels sometimes in our path. Here's what she said. 
she said that we need to stop looking back at our old lives and trying uh, to have it like it was and to step forward, listen to me, to step forward into our new life, whatever that might be. Now, how many of us who are here this morning and those who listen to my voice, how many of you had your life changed and turned upside down? You had wonderful plans, you had aspirations, you had goals, you had all these hopes and they've been laid out. You had a perfect plan for your life or maybe for your family's life, maybe it's for your children. And something came along and disrupted that. Ooh, all of our lives have been disrupted recently, haven't they? And yet God wants us to recreate again a new vision, a new place for us to go as she was able to do. The scriptures tell us how many times, don't be afraid. More than one time, doesn't it? tells us that we're not to be afraid, we're not to be fearful, but we're rather to walk with the Lord. His own disciples had much fear. We are one of his disciples, present tense, and we find ourselves with all kind of fear that has bubbled up inside of us. And we don't maybe even tell anybody about that, but it, it's caused us just to be stationary to be complacent, to be stagnated in our own life, and we're just not going forward. We're not moving forward. We're where we have been for a long time, and some of us may have even backed up some. Could it be that the opposite of faith is not unbelief, but rather it is fear? That command to live without fear isn't linked to some promise that nothing bad will ever happen to you, that things will always be good, that you'll never have any temptations or you'll never have any major problems in your life. It doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say that you won't even have some questions about what's going on around you. But the command is linked, however, to the promise that God will be with you. Listen to me. Whatever may happen in your life, whatever circumstance comes your way, that God will be there available for you. And that's a promise that all of us need to claim on this very morning. That whatever has happened in the past, what's happening to us present, and what may happen in the future, that God is going to be with us. And that's where we put our faith, and that's where we put our trust. I want to tell you about another young woman who was able to overcome her fear. On one Palm Sunday, just as the service was about to be over, she began to have some physical ailments and symptoms that took her to the hospital. She had an aneurysm in her brain. They looked at it, and the doctor said, well, you can do one of two things. You can continue to look at it, and, and I know you're having these headaches and, and all, and, and, and we can determine if we want to have surgery, or you can just, you know, do nothing about it. She thought about it, and she prayed about it, and she determined, I, I want to go ahead and move forward and have this surgery. I'm just afraid uh, that it may take my life if it doesn't, and it certainly can take my life if I have the surgery. It's a risky surgery. Leading up to that surgery, this woman had absolutely overwhelming fear, dictated to her almost every thought. She couldn't sleep at night. She couldn't function doing most of anything. But she prayed to God, and she found the passage in Joshua 1.9, 
that says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You've heard that passage before. I had some family members that gave me part of that verse, and I have it in my office on the shelf. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or discouraged. For the Lord will be with you wherever you go. She memorized that by heart. She began to believe that. You know, it's one thing to read Scripture and to know it. It's another thing to really believe it when we encounter these times of great fear and tribulation in our life that we'll all encounter. So finally the day of her surgery came. She had written that verse out, Joshua 1.9. Her OR nurse, she gave it to her and said, I want you to hold on this for me. And she said, I'll give it back to you when you come out of surgery. She went through surgery fine. She woke up and she looked on her palm and there was that verse that was sort of worn and torn a little bit. She had taped it to her palm. Be strong and of good courage. Be not terrified or discouraged, but trust in the Lord for whatever may happen to you. She saw that verse there on her palm, and she was able to get through that surgery. We need to claim that same kind of promise today. Think uh, how we find those scriptures that say, don't be afraid, uh, don't be terrified, can relieve, can put to rest so many of our fears. This story we find from Matthew tells us that Christ is looking for people, I like this term, with a holy boldness. Do you know what that means? That means uh, that we have the boldness of Christ to direct our energies that we'll do good works for His glory, that we'll be partners with Him in the kingdom's work, that we'll trust in Him to move forward from where we are at that station in life we find ourselves. Notice that the outcome of this story rests on faith in God's character and obedience to God's commands. Both faith and obedience, it requires this holy boldness to let us move forward not on our own security and our own comfort, but on God. You see, I believe God has larger plans than we have. We probably need to spend some time, at least every week and possibly every day, thinking about what are God's plans for me? It's easy to get in a rut, isn't it? It's easy to get in those same habitual cycles. And we forget sometimes to pause, to reflect, to meditate, to ponder what it is that God would have us to be about doing in this life. He wants us to have a holy boldness. Robert Young was a very successful businessman in Seattle. When he went on a business trip to New Mexico, he noticed a newspaper headline that read, Elders Freeze to Death. He read on in the story, the news article detailed the crushing poverty that was upon the Native American reservations 
and the horrible living conditions that these elderly Native uh, Americans were living in. Robert couldn't explain why the news grabbed his heart so much, but it did. He couldn't quit thinking about that. So a few weeks, weeks later, when Robert learned about Adopt a Grandparent program with those Native American elders, he called the number and he signed up and he was paired up with a 76-year-old Native American in South Dakota named Catherine Redfeather. Catherine welcomed Robert into her life. It was her newest grandchild. In spite of her tremendous poverty, her letters to him were full of fondness and proudly uh, saying who her family was all about. When Robert asked Catherine if there was anything he could send her, she asked only for a bottle of shampoo and some aspirin. Tells you where she's living, isn't it? Robert couldn't imagine living in such poverty that shampoo and aspirin were luxury items. He determined to visit Catherine Redfeather and to see her living conditions for himself. Robert and his wife, Anita, were shocked by the poverty that they saw on Catherine's reservation. And he was humbled by the joy and love that Catherine and his family showed he and his wife. And when he returned home, Robert, he couldn't find any satisfaction in his work. She stayed on his mind, and, his, and her family, they stayed on his mind. He worried all the time if his adopted grandmother was safe and warm as she needed to be. That summer, Robert and Anita and a handful of friends traveled back to South Dakota to build a house for Catherine. As the news of their uh, project spread among the reservation, Catherine's family and friends showed up to help, and they had a wonderful time and a great celebration when that house was completed. Can you imagine? Now, Robert, he could relax, couldn't he? He had done his part. He had done what God had called him to do. He was successful in his own life. He's going to get back to his business, right? No. God had put a new vision in Robert Young's own heart. And he could not bury the gifts that he had been given, the talents that he had been blessed with, how God had in an enormous way touched him and blessed him, had given him more than he ever imagined. He felt even a deeper responsibility and yet a wonderful opportunity to minister to these people who were hurting and down and out. After a lot of research and thought, Robert decided to sell half of his business interest. And he and Anita moved to Bozeman, Montana and started the Red Feather Development Group to provide affordable, secure housing for Native Americans. Remember those two words that I said was in this passage? Entrusted and fear. Our fear goes away as we entrust our lives to the Lord. 
He will bless us. It's just not words that we come to this church and we say because we're Christian. Don't you believe it? Don't you believe that if you entrust your life to the Lord, that He will reward you beyond all measure? Now, He's going to call us sometimes to do some things that we never had planned to do. He's going to put people in our path that we never imagined would get in our path. We're going to be doing ministries and mission for Christ that gets us oftentimes out of our own personal comfort zone. But isn't it exciting when we understand what God wants us to do and we're able to do that? Think about that. And I don't really know for those who are here and those who listen to my voice exactly to the point what it is that God calls each one of us to. You see, he's blessed us differently, hasn't he? He's given us all different kinds of talents and abilities. He uses us in different ways. But this one thing I know this morning, that he wants all of our hearts. He wants us to put our fears away. And he wants us to trust in him with all that is within us. That we'll even pray, oh Lord, help me in my unbelief. Help me when I falter. Help me when, I, when I'm weak. Help me when I just don't have what it is to move forward. Give me that extra umph to do what you'd have me to do. And God will touch our lives for the better. May he say to us, today and every day, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Wouldn't you like that said of you on this day and every day? It is for people willing to live free of fear with a holy boldness, seeking to be where God wants you to be and living as God wants you to live. Do you see yourself in that role this morning? Why settle for less? Launch out today. Not afraid to move forward where God is moving you to. Making the most of what God has given to you. Amen? And amen. I hope that the Lord has moved your spirit this morning to at least ponder and examine where you are in your own life. You know, often run into people unfortunately who they talk about what they've done in the past as though that's the end of their life and I truly believe until we draw our last breath God has something for us to do here on earth regardless of our age our personal background whether we're rich or poor whether we come from the wrong side of the tracks or not Regardless of our cultural and nationality, I think God deems every single person here.
here on earth important, and he wants to use us for his glory. So maybe what he's doing in your life this morning, as you hear this service, as you're experiencing uh, God's grace and spirit, maybe he's calling you to make a uh, profession of faith, to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior this morning. Maybe he stirred something else inside of you. You never thought was going to happen this morning. It just happened because the Spirit's calling you forth to do some particular kind of work. Or maybe you don't know what that is, but you just know something's going on. It's a stirring inside of you. That he wants you to be more active in his work, in his ministry. May God bless you as you trust in him and you lay those fears at his feet to be able to help you through whatever you may be encountering. Would you pray with me? Let us stand as we have a closing prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us in moments that we don't ever sometimes expect. And yet that you speak to us in times that we are expecting and need you so much. Father, on this day, we pray that those overwhelming fears that we may possess, that you would take them away from us. And Lord, as you have given us gifts and talents and abilities, may we not dig a hole and place them in it and cover them back up and Leave them there. You want great dividends and great uh, interest from us. You want us to be productive and help us to do that. For those who need to shore up their relationship to you, we pray on this very day that they would be able to do that. We pray, oh Father, that you touch and bless us all, that we'll be your people. For it's in the precious name of Christ our Lord we make this prayer. Amen. Let me say... Uh, before you leave out that there are membership cards on the front if there's uh, people who are interested in joining our church you can pick those up please let me know that you've got those if you want to talk uh, to one of our staff members i'll be at the front chris will be and and brett in just a moment and we'll be glad to talk to you if you'd like to talk more about the membership or you want to sit down and have a one-on-one with us uh, back in the office area sometime we'll be glad to do that Again, it is a joy that you are here. May God bless you as we depart.